Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Healthcare Whisperer radio show. My name is Hari Kulsa, and I am your host. I am a nurse practitioner and patient advocate. You can uh, find me at healthcarewhisperer.com, on Twitter, Twitter at Hari, H-A-R-I-K-1-0-8, and on Facebook at Healthcare Whisperer. The purpose of the show is to provide information, tips, and tools to help, to help you get through the maze of the healthcare system. As you know, sometimes it can certainly be daunting, scary, and seemingly endless, This show is about giving you the information you need. And anyway, today's Valentine's, so happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I hope it's a good one for you. Today's show is Tips on Successful Navigation of Breast Cancer Treatment. My guest is uh, Ida Schnipper, who who was recently diagnosed with breast cancer and went through treatment. She is here to give some very sage advice on getting through through the system and what it all means. She's going to describe basically how to to survive the system. I personally have known Ida for several years, and she is just one of the most wonderful people. It was so heartbreaking for me to hear when she was diagnosed, but a trooper that she is, she just plowed through, and she's going to be. She's here today uh, to give those what she learned, the tips she learned to others. Uh, just a little about her: she's the, one of the co-founders of Health Champions, a patient advocacy and health navigation company uh, in the Hartford, uh, Connecticut area. She's a nurse and healthcare and executive with over, well, I should say, award-winning nurse with over 20 years of experience. <clears throat> About a year ago, she was on the, on, on the show um, for the Patient Advocate, advocate Roundtable. This time, it's about her personal journey and her experience, and I'm just so excited and feel so lucky to have her on the show because, and I know you will after you listen to the show. So let's, hi, Ida. Hi, Hari. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Happy Valentine's Day. Yep, yep. It's a good one for you, right? Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Every day is a good day. Every oh, day there is a good go. day. Yeah. No such thing I, as a bad day. Oh, good, good. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. That's We'd like to hear that. Um, you know, I just want to thank you so much. I know you've been through, you know, that this journey's been hard and and thought-provoking, but for taking the time so uh, to be on the show. I, I, I'm just so grateful. Well, it's my pleasure, and I hope at the end of our time together tonight, if I can leave um, the audience, um, your listeners, with one or two actionable items that would make their journey easier based on something I experienced, something that maybe didn't go well or something that went really well, and I share it tonight, then I feel I will feel really gratified by um, taking the time to do this. So I so appreciate the opportunity. Um, well, 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 let me ask you this. How are you doing? Oh, okay. I am um, doing quite well. I am not um, – you never go back to baseline. That's the first thing I'd say. Um, it's We call it the new normal um, in the house and among my uh, other friends. Um, but I'm doing fine. I'm back in my office almost full-time. I'm still in treatment. My treatment mm-hmm. is not scheduled to end until May. But I have, I think, um, you know, the first chapter for my breast cancer journey was uh, surgery, followed Mm -hmm. by chapter two, which was chemo, chapter three was radiation, and the ongoing chapter is really um, um, receiving an IV treatment of a drug called Herceptin, and I will have 17 infusions by the time this is hopefully over um, in terms of the active treatment, yes. 
So, um, you know, you so why don't, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so why don't you uh tell us how this I mean, I think people always want to know what it's like um how it all started. I mean, did you just wake up and, you know, did you find a lump or did you go to your doctor? I mean, no. if you want to tell us a little bit about yeah, your journey, I'd love to. how it all yeah. started. Well, interestingly enough, um I'm one of these, as I'm sure many people are, I never missed a mammography. And I live in the state of Connecticut where about four or five years ago there was a state law that um, required health plans to pay for ultrasounds in addition to mammographies for women who met certain um, guidelines um, in terms of density of breast tissue, cystic breast tissue, and about four years ago, um, when I went for my annual exam with my gynecologist, she said, you know, you meet the guideline, let's go get a baseline. And I said, sure. So I've had ultrasounds every year religiously. And, in fact, um, I was diagnosed um, in April of 2012, but in August of 2011 I had had um, an ultrasound that was normal. It was a totally clear ultrasound, just to give you a sense of timing. So... Um, I went, it was just a routine OBGYN checkup, my annual exam, and, you know, I like to, you know, I share this joke. I almost didn't go for the appointment. My husband was the one who was having health issues in the family at that time. You go through periods of time in your life where, you know, one or, you know, you find yourself escorting a family member to the doctor, and we were just <laughs> going through that period of time. And I got home the day before my exam, um, I had spent the whole day as um, as um, his kind of his um, companion while he was having an outpatient procedure. Got home, did some work for the office. Really tired. I'm thinking, God, do I really want to get up for an eight o'clock appointment with my gynecologist? Yeah, right, right, right. You know, I'm in that age group where it's not that urgent to go. But then I thought, you know how hard it is to get an appointment, a routine appointment, when you don't have any issues or problems? Just get yourself out of bed and go there. That's what I said to myself. So at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm showing up. We're having my gynecologist and I have known each other for years. And, you know, we're basically chit-chatting as I'm on the exam table. And I was kind of, like, not expecting anything. And she said, well, stop talking for a minute. And she said, well, there's something here. And I said, really? I remember sitting up on the table. I said, what? I don't feel anything. Now, I had been doing breast self-exams, but not an unusual story. Um, very often breast cancers are not felt on breast self-exams. And there's some controversy right now about whether or not it's even worth putting women through that whole mindset of making sure, you know, don't make them feel guilty if they're not doing it because you don't often pick up um, a tumor. Well, sure enough, depending on the position I was on the table, we could feel, you know, we can feel this kind of small nodule. And famous last words, it's probably nothing. I can't imagine how many women in America have heard those words from their doctor. It's probably nothing, but we should just check it out to make sure. That was a Thursday morning, and uh, and because I tend to be very action-oriented, I'm like, okay, let's get this this checked out. So before I left the office, I made sure I had an appointment for a... a diagnostic mammography, which simply means the radiologist will be on site to read the film, and um, an ultrasound at the same time. And um, the mammography showed nothing; could not see anything oh. on on the exam on the film, um, but the ultrasound did. And oh. that was Tuesday morning. And I should tell the listeners, just as a, a personal side, I was planning a trip to London Friday for a surprise 65th birthday. Um, gift to my husband. He knew we were going abroad. He had no idea, and there was no way I wasn't going. So um, when the radiologist came in to discuss the ultrasound with me, he said to me, you need a biopsy. And I said, I said, okay, I'd like one tomorrow. I'm leaving for Europe on Friday. And he said, (laughs) not going to happen. I said, listen, and this is where, you know, self-advocacy and the ability to have a conversation with a healthcare professional, um, if you're comfortable to push back, you know, lesson uh-huh. number one, if you don't like the, what you get, push back. I said, listen, um, I happen to be in healthcare. Um, I happen to know um, that you probably have looked at hundreds of, you know, these slides, and you, you, my sense is you know what it, this is. Does this look benign or not? I won't hold you to it, but I want to know before I get on that plane. And he said to me, you have cancer. 
I'm 99.9% wow. sure. And, wow. And what, so I mean, that, yeah, uh, I mean, let's face it, radiologists look at these slides. They look at ultrasounds. I mean, they know. They're not often, you know, it's not a 100% batting average, but right, right, without right. a biopsy. So I left, um, I left um, the radiology office with a very high sense that this was, you know, this was going to be positive findings. So, um, well, what did, did you I get do? out the door? I mean, I, I, I mean, well, what, that know, must, I mean, this is something people. I guess you just sort of put your, you know, your your mind and say, okay, you keep walking. You know, right. what I mean? and and you know what? As ups, I mean, there were uh, at that point, I was sort of in an act, kind of like, um, okay, what do I have to do next? I have to get myself dressed. I have to get into the car, I have to go to my office, and I have to start making some phone calls. Um, And the first thing I wanted to do was make sure that um, I made a a few decisions very quickly. One, I was not going to cancel my husband's trip. This had been in the works for a year, and I knew no matter what was going on, five days uh, delay in getting a biopsy was not going to change the outcome. Right, right, and right. so I very comp, you know, was able to. I actually had a great time abroad. We had a great trip, but I knew for me to be able to, you know, kind of the way I look at the world is as long as I had a plan in place mm-hmm. that I could execute or could be executed on my behalf um, by my healthcare um, team, I would be okay. So before I, you know, one of the things I did after calling my husband and putting a call into my gynecologist was making sure that the order for biopsy was in so that I would have the ability to get it scheduled as soon as I got back. So we landed back from London on a Thursday night. Friday I had um, a biopsy, and I had it done by, and a lot of different, um, sometimes um, some of the women I've met have had their surgeon do a biopsy. Some people have an interventional radiologist do a biopsy. Right. That is really, you know, up to it, a lot of it has to do with where your health, where you live, and what is the norm in your area. Uh, here we had the interventional radiologist do it, and mm-hmm. I had a very positive experience. Um, I will say I did tell her is point number two. I knew I was going for a second opinion. Right, right. And no matter right. what happened, I was going to get a second opinion, and I wanted my pathology to be read by a pathologist outside of the area. So at an academic medical center. So I said to the bio, um, to the uh, radiologist who was going to be doing the biopsies, listen, I, I'm going to have this, these slides read. You need to take enough tissue so that there'll be enough slides to be made to be sent to other places. Wow, in what did she pro- say? Yeah, she appreciated that. She, you know, uh-huh. In my professional practice, we've had clients at Health Champion where we want to send slides out of the Hartford area or to to the Boston area in New York, and I'll call the pathology department at the local hospital, and they'll tell me they don't have enough tissue. Right, right, right. So, you know, yes. right, that was in the back of my mind, and that's not something that, you know, you may not have on your radar screen. Certainly, why would you unless somebody's taught you that, you know, you've had that experience. So, you know, I made a point to say, this is I need enough tissue now. So, and did they? They did. Yeah. Because a yeah, lot of times you can make that point. You have to make sure right. that they understand right. what you're asking. Right. And so she made a point to take an extra. I had a punch biopsy, so we had you know uh-huh. enough tissue to do, um, to do that. So the other thing I did um, while um, so that was done on a Friday. It takes two to three days before you get a preliminary reading. Now I'm trying. The first thing you want to do is really assemble a treatment team. You hope against hope it comes back as um, negative. But I knew, for some reason, I particularly knew that, um, I don't know why, there's no breast cancer in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and that's I a good had, point, that it isn't always in the family. People have right. to know that. The majority really of women diagnosed in the United States do not have a, have any history in their family. One right. in eight women diagnosed with breast cancer, the majority of those women have no breast um, uh, cancer history in their family. Pretty frightening. Pretty frightening. Yeah, because you can't. The, there's no. There's no way to know. That's why doing the mammogram and yeah, I mean, you're so lucky you had that ultrasound. You were you absolutely. Were able to get the um, actually, I won't, I can't say enough about my gynecologist because again, depending on where the, my positioning on the exam table, she might not have found it. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. very thorough. She's she's really the hero in this story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I called her and you know I said okay, I'm clearly going to need. Um, and at that point, I, to be honest with you, the shock of all this was that I needed chemotherapy. Um, I was really thinking, oh, I'll lump back to me and a little radiation therapy, maybe and some tamoxifen or something like that, and I'm good to go. Um, right. And I, th- my thinking was that was that I had been on hormone replacement therapy, which is, mm-hmm. um, I'm in my, you know, was postmenopausal on hormone replacement therapy. I had been on it for, you know, really kind of at the upper end, ready to get weaned off of it, two, two mm-hmm. plus years, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I was one of these women who I really didn't want to ever go off hormone replacement therapy. Right. I had menopause was very difficult for me, and I really right. felt much better being on hormones. Um, so in my mind, I really thought, oh, this is going to be what we call an estrogen-positive tumor. You know, right. my body loves estrogen. I probably gave this to myself. Well, uh, oh, gave it to yourself. Yeah. Well, that okay. was my thinking at the time. You know, I no, probably I know. you know. I'm not- yeah, no, I mean, but that's what you go through. You know, did I make this happen because right. I did this? Right. You, know, you always and... want to look for that behavior that you, you know, can go back. Yeah. Well, um, so here it is. My biopsy was on a Friday. Got pos- got the re- got the results back confirming that it was cancer, preliminary. Um, uh, that was a preliminary. That was positive. But we're still waiting to see what the. Um, we had staging at that point, but didn't have the final, um, was it estrogen positive, progesterone positive, receptin positive, or negative. So that was um, happened on Tuesday. I had um, scheduled surgical appointments uh, for consultation, and I had them lined up, um, you know, I think I had, I actually had three surgical appointments made consultation appointments that I went ahead and set up. And um, and initially, if you're going to do this on your own without having, you know, the you know the, the referring physician get in front of it, you a lot of the office staff, like, oh, why are you doing this? Well, you know, because I know I'm pretty much going to need um, some sort of breast cancer surgery. Um, well, do you have your pathology? No, you don't have your pathology. You have to be pretty, uh, I found that, it wasn't hard for me, but it may be a little off-putting to others because you don't, you know, you're you're doing this on your own. You're not having a doctor's office call saying, "I'd like to have so and so come for a surgical consult." He's a patient of mine, right. um, and the office staff very often don't know what to do with this. You know. So what did um, you say to them? I mean, that's a really good point because, I mean, this is pretty amazing. You, you, you visualize, as you said earlier, you you put you had a plan. And you knew what was probably going to have to happen. So when they said to you, I mean, you're, I, I know you. I know that you would just tell them, book the appointment. <laughs> I mean, right, I don't right, know if right, that's right. how you said it. I don't as much nicer what, what, than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please yeah. book the appointment. Yeah, please book the appointment. But <laughs> right, what, right. I mean, what do they say? I mean, like, we do that a lot as advocates. We're like, you know, we schmooze. We say, okay, now just book the appointment and don't bother, right, you know, right, kind of thing. Right, but right, right, what's right. your advice to that person who's, but I want the appointment. I'm scared. Well, call us back when you have the pathology. No, okay. I think you need to say that you need to be much more factual. You need to say, look, I've had the um, the biopsy done, or if it's scheduled to be done to, you know, whatever. The front office staff does very often will respond. Obviously, they respond to the. I'm sure they'll respond to the very emotional person on the phone. But I think you get better action if you're very factual. You know, I've had an okay. abnormal mammography. I've had uh-huh. a normal mammography. Um, I've spoken to my gynecologist, and I'm going to need to have some surgery. She recommended or he recommended that I give Dr. Smith a phone call to get an appointment as soon as possible. How soon can you see me? Okay. All right. That's and, good. yes, I'm going to bring my pathology, um, or I'll have it. It's, you know, it's it's being um, finalized, and it will be sent to you before the appointment. They want yeah. to have something to put in front of the physician. Right. So if no, you kind yeah. of make that, if you make that commitment to the office staff, look, you're going to take the responsibility of making sure you bring it with you, whatever records you have, or get it to them. Um, mm-hmm. That usually will smooth the way. But I will tell people, if you're going to see a really busy surgeon, um, be prepared to either 
see that person at the crack of dawn and let the office staff know you're willing to be there at 630 if the doctor's willing to see you. Or late at night if the doctor's willing to come back from a busy day, whether it's office practice or the OR. Um, My husband and I went, I think we actually had a 630 appointment. The first surgical appointment was that early in the morning. Right, because people have to know surgeons book their surgical suites depending. I mean, some of them have office hours during the week, but they they're will, they are willing to bend to come in before their surgery begins. That's right. In a That's day. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so, so I you have, lined up three. You lined up three. I lined up three. I end up only having two um, appointments. I lined up three, and I had um, two wonderful um, surgical consults, um, and the oh, and skipping ahead, but I made the decision to um, go with the surgeon who was um, first available because Mm -hmm. I had given myself the five-day leeway by -hmm. taking that little side trip, and my tumor pathology grade showed that it was um, not well-defined, but it was fast-growing, and I wanted it at that point. My mindset was, we want to get this out. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't willing. And the first, one of the surgeons I saw, who's absolutely a wonderful surgeon, who spent a lot of time with us at consult, was not available for four weeks. To your point, totally booked. Wow. And I could not, my I could not sit around waiting for four weeks. Um, no. Some people Nor should can. you have to. Yeah. Some I people guess. can. You know, she was booked, and I think she had a um, possible jury duty. And I had said I made kind of a, you know. Um, a commitment to myself that, hey, listen, you're going away for five days. When you come back, this is full speed ahead, no more delays. So that was my mindset. I just didn't think mm-hmm. I could hang around with knowing that this tumor, which was not in my no evidence of disease in August, the prior August, and by April was already there. I just was not comfortable with that. So um, what worked really well for me was the second surgeon um, I saw, which was literally 6.30 in the morning and then lunchtime. Mm-hmm. seeing the second surgeon who saw us during lunchtime, um, his lunchtime, um, I said to him, listen, you know, um, how soon can you get me into the operating room? Um, mm-hmm. and, he, and he said, how's next Thursday? If, and if you can have your pre-op physical and if you can get a breast MRI done before um, next Thursday, I'll book you for next Thursday. So I saw him on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I had surgery the a week, you know, literally a week later, which is the Thursday before Mother's Day, and um, and that's where if you are um, willing, you know, to go anywhere and go out of your comfort zone, you know, basically breast MRIs very often there aren't that many open slots. It's not an emergency, right. uh-huh. um, but you know, we let the office staff know. Listen, we'll get in the car and drive anywhere in the state. If oh. You know, I, I want to be on that. I want to go to the OR a week from Thursday. So if uh-huh. it means I have to go, you know, 25 miles outside of my home because there's an opening at that radiology center, I'll go. Um, wow. You know, and so that real. so that opened it up for you. I mean, yeah, that opened it up. Uh, yeah. We, you know, because they see, oh, they see you live in one town. I think, okay, you you most people um, don't make it known that they're willing to travel for services. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the yeah. office staff needs to know that. Let them know that this you really need to have this done, and you, you don't care which site you're going to. You're willing to drive, and so okay. we were able to get it done. Um, able to get it done two days later, which wow. was great. And then um, I chose based on my staging um, to have a lumpectomy. Not to dwell on that. A lot of there's a trend now for women to not do that. There are people are looking for total mastectomies. Um, mm-hmm. The outcomes are, are are virtually the same, and so um, my particular point of view was: let me just keep as much of my um, normal breast as possible. So one thing to just stop real quick to say is that you did a lot of research on your. Um, on, on your cancer. I mean, right. you looked at options for you, and and you did you talk about these? I mean, you must have talked about this option with the surgeon. Yes. When you sit down with the surgeon, they're going to have some information about your tumor, and your tumor is going to drive your two things, 
how large your tumor is and the pathology are going to drive what your treatment options are. Mm-hmm. So, um, and actually, there's a company called Health Dialogue that has a wonderful kind of decision tree booklet for women undergoing breast cancer treatment wow. to walk you through. Um, and actually, the first surgeon I saw, her office gave me this disc in this book, um, which was excellent because it w- helps you make a decision about, okay, yes, I have breast cancer, yes, I need treatment, um, and there are multiple treatment categories I'm going to have to um, kind of problem-solve my way through. But the first is, if I'm a candidate for surgery, how extensive surgery? You know, what's the outcome? Because, again, this is all about getting behind, you know, going through it and then, you know, living your life and, you know, do you want to have a lumpectomy? Do you want to have a partial mastectomy? you want full mastectomy? Um, so a lot of time is spent, should be spent, Understanding what your options are, uh-huh. um, and really understanding the pros and cons of each, because nothing is this, there is nothing that's a hundred percent. Needing to know yourself, okay, um, and um, you know really what you think, you know, um, physically you can endure. Um, for me, I'm sort of looking for that. Okay, let me just. My mindset was I was comfortable with a lumpectomy. I was comfortable with these with the clinical outcomes in terms of survival rates for my kind of cancer with lumpectomy versus um, mastectomy and reconstruction. I didn't want to have to go through the process of reconstruction. Conversely, there are a lot of female celebrities out there who have had um, full mastectomies and reconstruction, and, you know, they feel like this way they don't have to worry about a recurrence in the other breast. Well... (laughs) You know, the science, the medicine isn't really proving that just having, the you know, both breasts removed is necessarily going to diminish a recurrence. So, you know, it's a little mm-hmm. bit about your own comfort level and, what you, you know, what will allow you to sleep at night. But right. for me, my own personal journey, the lumpectomy was, I was fine with that. Um, and so... You never felt pressure to get a mastectomy, right? I mean, there's... No, I have to say I did not get pressure to feel um, at all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. Not at all. Um, But I think that, you know, people really need to understand when they talk to the surgeons, um, what does that mean? Because there's the, you know, you want to go in there and remove your tumor and have what they call clear margins. That means they take some some of the natural tissue around um, the tumor out, mm-hmm. and then they hope that, you know, then they test that to make sure there's no cancer cells in that. And that's what they mean by clear margins. And they will also take out the first node that's closest to the tumor. That's called your sentinel node when you have right. a lumpectomy. Um, so mm-hmm. you're having one lymph node taken out. Now, if that comes back, if the pathology comes back that, you know, um, they were unable to get clear margins, um, you may have to go back to, you will have to go back to the OR for more surgery. That's uh-huh, a risk uh-huh. that should be clearly discussed, um, uh-huh. and you should understand going in that you may have to go back if the surgeon can't get clear margins. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And so right there, that's the possibility of um, additional um, OR time. So all so, these things so have little decision trees and have possibilities of what co- all the what-ifs could happen, certainly. so. Um, uh-huh. But I wanted to just say, and you may be wanting to ask me, um, when you go talk to um, to the surgeons, even before you talk to an oncologist, you need to go, you know, you got to bring somebody with you yeah, um, who yeah. can take notes and be an active listener. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I was so never you can just in, talk. Yep, I was never in any appointment by myself, mm-hmm. even to this day. And, I, you know, and I feel like I'm fairly knowledgeable, um, but I never went alone. I either had, I had somebody with a notepad with me so that we can um, really go home and look at the notes we took and think about what was said to make Uh sure we really understood it. And Uh I would also Uh recommend, you know, don't be shy. If you have follow-up questions or you're not sure about what the surgeon said, schedule another appointment or call. Talk to the nurse in the office. um, Yeah, I think that's critical. That's critical. I mean, you can't. 
you, you know, you can't emphasize, I can't emphasize that enough and you can't emphasize that enough, that having somebody with you, you know, you think that you're understanding everything, but you're sitting there, you're trying to grasp that you have to go through this whole process and you're trying to act like everything's okay, but you're going to forget to ask some really right. simple questions that need to be asked. Right, exactly. It's, um, it's a done deal. I mean, right. it happens you to You have to have everybody. somebody with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to, you know, when you walk out of that consultation with, let's talk about a surgeon, you know, where would they do the surgery? I mean, you know, is it outpatient, inpatient? You know, lumpectomies yeah. typically are outpatient. Uh, what test do you need preoperatively? Do you need a breast MRI? Do you need any other test? Do you need a pre-op physical? What kind of yeah. anesthesia? Uh, what can I expect post-op pain? Will I have drains? Right. Will I have a dressing? Okay. Um, who, ha, will, how often will I, you know, will I come back to see you the next day after surgery? A week? Two weeks? Um, anything I should, you know, what are, you know, what are... Um, uh, signs and symptoms of infection should I be looking for? Um, so you really need to make sure you understand all of this, in mm-hmm. some, whether it's written instructions that they give you or, um, you know, this is all just a conversation, but somebody's written these down. Or, somebody's yeah, written these or down. somebody understands what's going on. I mean, sometimes right. it's you might think you understand, and that's why it's good to have. I mean, you just don't have a medical team. You had a support team right you know you had yeah. people who were there who could who who were sort of could could hold you up and and know okay look you're not having a fever are you hon <laughs> you know right. or exactly what or, to look for yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. And because you know you as simple you know as you're you know t- telling the story now with all the tips but there's that incredible emotional impact that just throws you off sometimes when you're not looking. Oh, absolutely. You know, and then, it, you know, then you, you know, while you're dealing with like getting your life and your your medical health life in order, there's all this emotional side. <clears throat> your family needs to be told um, at some point. Out, you know, your loved ones. If you have children, how do you tell your children? What do you say to them? That needs yeah. to be age specific information. Um, you know, if you have, if you're blessed with a wide network of family and friends, you know, how do you get the word out? Um, so there's all these um, different layers of activities that go on when somebody in the family has been diagnosed with cancer. Just as an aside, um, another tip: one of the things that um, we, you know, I did, um, and then I gave it over to my husband and my very my business partner is we established um, on the Caring Bridge website. Um, oh yes, I was just going to mention that too. Please, yeah, I can't say enough. It's a nonprofit organization that has a. Um, you can put a website up for a loved one who's going through any kind of. Doesn't have to be necessarily cancer, but mostly um, could be cardiac, could be anything. Going through any health issue, it's a way of providing consistent information, and it's a. It's, it's like a health journey. People can send you wonderful messages about their good wishes back to you and. We found that in my family and I, you know, and also professionally I've used it for a few clients. It really, it's a great way um, to get um, status reports out to folks and cuts down on the, um, uh, frankly, communicating with 50 to 75 people can be very fatiguing for your loved one, your care, you know, the per, your support team. Right. It's, it's right, really right. helpful. And for me as the patient, you know, I can... That's when I would get emotional, when my husband would, you know, start to read me the messages that had come in. I'd have to say to him, you know what, don't read me anymore because I'm, like, getting Aww. very, very, you know, and I have to do it in small bites. But that, uh-huh. but I knew they were there, and I could go back to them when I felt a little bit stronger. Um, and I think that's and- really a fabulous way to just um, a fabulous tool for families. I can't say enough positive things about that website. There are others out there. We happen to use Caring Bridge, but... People should, you know, that's just a tool that, I, you know, I think people should be aware of. <clears throat> well, Certainly. I know that for me, you know, um, getting those updates about your situation, you know, was, was really critical because, you know, you don't, you know, we want to call and say, well, what happened? You know, because I'm not right. an immediate right. family member, you know, right. and I know and you don't that want to, I'm... 
Right. You don't want yeah. to frighten people by not saying, not responding, because that's not good either, right? right? right. Like if you hadn't heard, right. that would make it worse, because your mind right. goes to terrible things. Right, right, right. So I really encourage everyone. I have other clients who don't have cancer, and it's been, you know, it's just been a godsend for the caregiver not to have to, uh, you know, to have to just make a million calls. Um, so anyway, one thing is, you know, so so here's the interesting thing about uh, breast cancer to me, having taken this journey with several clients or multiple clients, is that it's never, it's rarely, as you mentioned earlier, just one treatment. I mean, it would, I mean, if you could have just had that surgery. And, you know, you would have gone home, you would have, you know, healed, and that would have been it. That would have been wonderful. But, no, then comes phase two. And, right. you know, I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about the surgeon and, you know, getting, you know, a second opinion for right. that. So here we here you are. I mean, you sort of know what's coming. Oh, Mike, but well, let me just, yes, can I, yeah, can I exactly, jump ahead a little please. bit? Because I'm looking at the clock. I know our time. We're, gonna, yeah. we're I can't believe it's 635 or it's almost. 35 minutes into the hour. If you have a lumpectomy in the United States today, um, the standard of care is lumpectomy followed by a course of radiation therapy. Uh-huh. Followed typically, depending on you may, and then some medicine. So my sir, the surgeon sent me to meet the radiation oncologist. Mm-hmm. And that was the next two days later. And I'm sitting also early in the morning with the radiation oncologist, and she's outlining some treatment options because there's some new things happening in the world of radiation oncology that yeah. would impact, um, uh, may have um, had some impact on what happened to me during surgery. Um, there's a high beam, very concentrated dose of radiation they can deliver through a tube. Um, but that tube has to be inserted during the course of um, the surgical procedure, and I needed to make oh, a right, decision. Right. Uh-huh. And um, so that's why I was sent there right away. And as she and I were talking, she, um, she said, well, do you have your final pathology? And I said, no, it should be done today. And because I was at a medical center um, that had um, – this is the few times I'd say something very positive about electronic medical records, but she had access right, right. to all the right, right, right. Anything. I hear you. I'm she there. Pull, Don't worry. I'm you there. You know, she <laughs> could pull up the pull up the pathology um, uh-huh. and said to me, "Well, it was nice meeting you, Ida. I'll see you in September. You need chemo." And that was <gasps> one of the. Oh. But you know, she said it with love and affection. I mean, she was not in any way cold. She's a wonderful woman, yeah. and she was basically yeah, saying, yeah. "Oh, gee." You know, you think you're, you think it wasn't the hormones that gave you cancer, she said to me, because uh-huh. it's not hormone positive. So, so that must tumor, have been a moment for you. That, must that, have been was, a that moment. was a moment of sheer, um, you know, if you have a bad, you have a diagnosis of cancer, it's bad enough, but then you want to be like everybody else you, in the sense that you want to have the cancer um, treatment that, you know, you read about. This is what was in my head. Hey, you know, most women today are getting you know, if they have a lumpectomy to go for radiation, then they're on tamoxifen and life is good. And uh-huh. I think in my own mind I had kind of psyched myself up for that. So when do- the doctor said to me, oh, no, you know, you're going to need chemo and have you talked to an oncologist? And I remember saying to her, oh, I didn't think I needed an oncologist. Uh-huh. Um, I believe that was, my, uh-huh. that was what I blurted out of my mouth. She said, oh, uh-huh. you, you know, you need to see an oncologist. Now, I already had names of who I would go to because that's who I am and I knew, you know, knew of the docs uh-huh. in the area. And so, um, again, um, another lunchtime, they, you know, the docs made a phone call and got me in that um, that same day at lunchtime to meet the oncologist. Now, this is all happening a few days before my surgery, okay? Uh-huh. Um, so saw the doc on Wednesday, the surgeon on Wednesday, decided to go with the second surgeon because he was available. Um, Friday he sends me to see the radiation doctor, and then lunchtime I'm seeing the oncologist. This is one of those times where I have to say the system really worked well. I mean, people were very um, thoughtful about making sure I got appointments and got them quickly. And when I went to the oncologist, my uh, as you know, um, Ellen Sue Moses, my business partner, is a pharmacist. In addition, mm-hmm. I mean, she's a wonderful woman, but she's a pharmacist and has got a great clinical ear. And I called the office and I said, I, "My husband's coming, but you need to come because at right. this point he's a wreck. 
He's been to yeah. two or three consultations. He's yeah. in overload. He's not in health care. And, you know, we needed another pair of ears. So I ha- and, and I say this to people, don't be shy. If you have to bring three people with you, bring three people. If it takes three yeah. people to help you get through these appointments, bring people with you. And so, I always say bring, I always introduce this as so-and-so's posse. Right, know? that's a great way, bring the posse. So, yeah. you know, I went in, I had my, at this point I had been carrying around a spiral notebook. Another, t- the first thing, one of the first things you should get yourself are some organization tools. And I, you know, I have two binders um, that have copies of every test taken this last year. And I have a notebook that I bring that I had brought with me and continue to bring with me to write notes and I write down my questions before I go to my next appointment. But point being is I was at that point you're shell shocked, you know, you've heard you may yeah. not need radiation until September, blah, blah, blah. So I went to speak to the oncologist and at the you know, and she outlined um exactly what my treatment course would be for chemo. Um and when the chemo would start, uh-huh. and it starts after surgery, after you've healed, your surgical site has to be it's healed. It's about six weeks, right? Six days. No, I had not at all. Believe it or not. Um, well, okay. that's not true. I take that back. Yes, that's right. I'm thinking it was um, radiation was two weeks after chemo ended. Right, right. Uh, right yeah, yeah. Right. No, six weeks. It's about six weeks. Yeah. Two and a half weeks after my surgery, um, I got on a plane and. Um, uh, did a little four-day-long weekend with my family. I should tell your uh, listeners that last year was two major birthdays, a major wedding anniversary, and I have adult mm-hmm. twins who turned 30. So it was supposed to be uh, a year of mega celebrations. Um, uh, but I say to people, when I went to the casino for my 60th birthday and everybody in the family won but me, I should have known it was not going to be you know, <laughs> a winning year for me. And shortly after my birthday, I was diagnosed, so who knows. But... Point being is, I had made it, you know, I said, hey, if my surgical site is clean and I'm feeling good, can I get on a plane? And he said, sure. Yeah. So um, so I go, you go for the oncology, and that's when it gets uber technical. They're right, throwing right, right. very long names out at you. Um, here's my advice to people. Do as much as you can. Write down as much as you can. Go over your notes, but take whatever pathology information you have and go to a website if you if you want this information, like a Susan G. Komen website that's mm-hmm. written for patients, not healthcare professionals, and you can literally go down the list and match your pathology to recommended courses of treatment. Wow. And, the, and yours matched. Yeah, and you can see, you know, hey, if you're this stage with this type of pathology, this is the this is the course of treatment in the United States today. So it and gives it, you that's 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 phenomenal. And I well, I did a few things which I'd recommend. I did that. You know, I said, oh, I know now. I have a piece of paper that tells me what my stage is, and this piece of paper tells me what my pathology is. I'm estrogen negative progesterone negative, Herceptin positive, what kind of treatment would I get for somebody? And and again, this isn't G. Komen is one of many, but in their website is easy to read that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can say, hey, that's what I heard in the office yesterday or today. Okay, that's that makes me feel really good. And then because you and I are both in the business of healthcare advocacy, I strongly recommend people get a second opinion out of their area if they can afford to do that. Um, yeah, no, I always tell the story. I mean, people aren't, aren't too happy with Lance Armstrong these days, but he got three separate op- opinions for his cancer, and each one was different. And, and then what do you uh, do? And then what do you do? Well, he went with the one that was the least uh, aggressive. I, well, I forget how he did it, but, you know, you have to make the decision. You have, you know, you look at the side effects. You look at what sure. people are saying. You know, you right. look at what the outcomes are. Those are the kind of things that you have to look at, and it's mind-boggling. You can't do it in one sitting. I mean, right. luckily, you can't. You can't. You, you can't. People, you know, you can't, and you have to allow yourself the ability to have conversations. But I will say, because um, I'm a big, um, I'm very impressed with the Livestrong website as well. I mean, I can't comment about his professional, you know, his business with yeah, his no, no. cycling, but I will say that I think what came out of his journey was, 
um, a phenomenal educational website, great tools. He's got a great program at the local WISE for cancer survivors that um, is not widely known. Um, and I actually signed up, and I'm starting their uh, 12-week program. I want to go through it both as a patient and as somebody as a healthcare professional. Um, mm-hmm. I think each year the knowledge about cancer outcomes and treatments gets stronger in this country. Mm-hmm. And so his testicular cancer for 25 years ago was probably not as well as established in terms of the path of treatment that it is today. And if right. you're unlucky enough to have cancer but have a cancer that has we have a lot of experience with in the United States, mm-hmm. um, you might find some of these websites to be very clear in terms of and more um, – more in line with each other in terms of this is the recommended treatment protocol. I think we all um, have difficulty if you have a rare cancer where there isn't right. that much experience with it. You have, right. to, you know, there are not that many practitioners who've seen this type of cancer. So, you know, what do you do? Where that's where the art of medicine comes in, and you know, you really have to go to a practitioner who, you know, maybe is going to come up with a, uh, a cocktail for this particular. Um, and is willing to to ask outside, you know, outside to really the to, box. right? Yeah, to really exactly. research it for you, and, right. And, right. and you know, and find that study for you if it's right. if, if that's what it takes. Right. Actually, just an aside, I was just in Austin. I did go to Livestrong. I've been there a couple times, and it's a pretty amazing place. They are so dedicated to education, to educate, giving people the information they need, and they have a great. Um, folder, a uh, file, fold, um, notebook. It's a journal uh, and a guidebook. I actually yeah. have it now, and I, yeah. I wish there was some way that we they could make it happen that anybody going through cancer, you know, gets it at the beginning of the course of the journey, not, you know, um Well, they're trying to get it online is yeah, what they're, trying, they're just, trying to put it online, yeah. It's fabulous. Um, I'm very impressed with what they've done, they put a lot of thought and clearly a lot of financial resources behind it. But the out, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Um, so so that's, that's here you are, yeah. One site. Yeah. So, so we've gotten. You know, I just want to kind of move forward because we're we're sure. getting well, a couple um, things I really want to say. Um, so we talked about the cancer treatment. Certainly, um, one of the things that people you don't easily. So, what do you bring to your first cancer? Yes, your first chemotherapy. Yeah, Yeah. Um, believe it or not, you know um, there are no rules. But what do you bring? Well, the first, you know, I had a list of things I would tell people to bring. Um, Everything from, first of all, make sure you hydrate yourself. If you don't have a port, you're going to need IVs. And if they don't put um, a temporary port, which is access to your veins, um, in before your treatment, you know, every time the day, 24 hours before you have treatment. You got to really drink. You really drink a lot uh-huh. of water, obviously uh-huh. before, so your veins are nice and plumped up. You ought to be drinking the, the evening of your treatment and day before. Stay hydrated. Can't say enough things uh, on how, how important that is. To the morning of your chemotherapy, eat lightly. Don't eat a huge meal. Eat, you know, um, eat very lightly. And there's some very good nutritional advice online with some recommended kinds of foods. And the first night, you know, night you have. You get home for dinner, also eat lightly. Mm-hmm. Today's chemotherapy comes with it a lot of really potent um, anti-nausea drugs, so the horror stories of years before are really, um, I think, old old news. The new news is mm-hmm. there's tremendous um, inform- um, drugs out there. I was not nauseous once through mm. six cycles of chemo. I didn't wow. vomit once, but I one thing that they didn't tell me that I will share with your listeners is um, the drug that they give you to s- really slow down your GI tract does one of two things: it will either make you extremely constipated, or uh-huh. you will get, or you will have diarrhea. If oh. you are the kind of person who tends to be constipated, the drug, you know, you will you and ask your doctor this. You, this was my case. You tend to be extremely constipated, um, and then. If you tend to be a person who who tends to not be constipated, go in the other direction, you get extremes of that. Mm-hmm. What I wish I had known um, the first time is when I was leaving my first chemotherapy session. In passing, they said to me, "Now, if you don't move your bowels in twenty, you know, and what they say to me, if you don't move your bowels by in three days, it's a medical emergency." 
Like, what do you mean oh. it's a medical emergency? That was literally, it's almost a quote. Um, well, we want you to take these laxatives, these laxatives, and these laxatives, and everybody is different. I will tell you that it only took one session of um, for me to learn my lesson, and that's when, again, know yourself, talk to your doctor, start taking stool softeners, talk taking laxatives. Um, if you, you know, the day before you go in for treatment, you're going to be doing for six cycles every three weeks. Well. Yeah, that's something yeah. you have to be mindful of. But in terms of like, you're going to be at that the outpatient's um, hospital for infusions or your doctor's office. You're going to be there for hours, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I brought, and these places tend to be cold. So I had um, two um, two shawls that were made for me. But I brought, you know, before they arrived, I had a little, um, just a little blanket, you know, couch like a throw you put on a on on your legs. Um, mm-hmm. I bought slipper socks. I mm-hmm. brought um, something to read. And, uh, you know, if you have an iPad or any of those Nooks or Kindles, bring them with you. Um, I had hard candies. I had a bottle of, bottle of seltzer with me. And then, um, um, uh, you know, crackers, just mm-hmm. in case. I didn't use them, but you want to, you know, all of that um, mm-hmm. is necessary. It's sort of like when you're, if you ever have. Um, People talk about um, preparing your um, your bag when you're pregnant and you're going in the hospital. And right, you right, that right, right. This was like prepare your chemo bag mindset. Um, and your journal, because you want to write down what you're getting. You must write down. Have the, Do not leave without having somebody write down for you what amount and what drugs, what drugs you received and in what dosage. Because um, many of these dosages vary based on weight and you will be weighed your appointment, and um, Hari, you know the story, but during my third course of treatment, because I was obsessive about these details, I asked um, for that information as they were hanging the drug, um, only to find out that they had started an IV with the wrong dose of one of the drugs. They had weighed me that day, um, and um, the weight didn't get entered into the computer system, so the pharmacy calculated it based on the weight from three weeks ago. Um, wow. So did they stop happen. it? No, did it was a slight it? underdose, you know. Um, I won't go into all the ramifications, yeah, but yeah. it was within, you know, my point here to people is don't assume because you love your, you know, it's a great doctor, great facility, you know the nurse, that mistakes won't happen. Mistakes do happen in medicine. And the only, you know, and you're, you are your own best um you know, advocate in the sense of, hey, how come I'm getting a different dose than last time? Maybe you should be getting a different dose. Maybe you shouldn't be getting. Ask questions, write it down, compare it to your last session. And uh, you had somebody with you. I mean, if you can't ask the question, make sure that you have got somebody trained with right, you who's right. going to ask the question. Right. I mean, you know, like the, almost like, uh, wait a minute, uh, let's check. And you can do you it know? in a non-confrontational yeah, way. Hey, right, you know, right, last right. time I was here, I got this amount of dose. Can you tell me? I'm kind of curious how come I'm getting this. This this is not the same amount. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, in my case, it got a little, it, it did become somewhat confrontational because we're all very proud of the work that we do, and nobody likes to think we made a mistake. And the, the nurse, who is not my regular nurse, um, her initial reaction was, oh, no, 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 this is absolutely the right dose. And I'm like, oh. I don't think so. And the person I brought with me that that third session, um, in addition to my husband, who's never left my bedside, was a friend of mine who happened to also be um a nurse, and so she whipped out her little iPhone and was calculating based on today's weight and said, don't think the calculation is right. Wow, um, wow. And, again, it happens, okay? That's that's the lesson there. Don't assume it won't happen. Don't assume that people are, you know, that all the <clears throat> the safeguards that we like to think are in place are working correctly that day. They may not be. <clears throat> yeah. Me. So I yeah, I no. would not have known that had I not been keeping track of my dosage from day one. Right, 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 there right. Would have been I mean, no you... way that I would have known that. Right, right, right. And I think that's very valuable. The log, the book, write things down. And Absolutely. It, you, 
I mean, even if you think it's trivial, write it down because you never know when it's going to like be a critical moment. Well, no, wait. You told me, or you said, right. or right. this is right. what you gave me, and <clears throat> you're telling me Absolutely. it was wrong, or yeah, yeah. So you know, we're getting kind of we're we're about uh, five minutes out here. You know, I mean, there's so much to talk about, but but right. like, what are your impressions about your journey so far i mean you're still on it you're doing great but what what like really stands out i mean you've given an incredible amount of information it's all been fantastic thank you and i know I, people I, will listen to this i know they will because all right it's one I hope of the, so. um, no no they you, will <laughs> you know i don't um the the one thing um i made it my full-time job um, to the best of my ability. Um, uh-huh. I, I know me, you know. You and I both are small business owners, and I knew that I could not, could not, I knew my personality was such that I needed to make myself a priority. So even if you can't not leave your job, whatever you can do in your life to make yourself and your um, your health a priority as you go through this journey, um, and that's particularly for uh, men and women who may be diagnosed and still have young families, you got to get help. You have to have a caregiving team. Um, but you have to make yourself front and center, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's really important. Um, the mind-body component of dealing with cancer is extremely important. We didn't even touch on that. I did take advantage, and I highly recommend people, even if you don't think you might be interested, at least in- allow yourself to be introduced to complementary medicine therapeutic mm-hmm. massage, yoga classes, Reiki, acupuncture. I did all of that weekly. That was part of my schedule. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was what I gave of myself, and I think that was extremely, um, it was it was very comforting to me to and know, And that was okay, part of, you, you, you a lot of the facility, a lot of the, many we'll offer of that. offer it, yeah. And yeah. if they offer it and there's a fee, very often it's offered at a discount for somebody undergoing active treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, try to maintain some level of activity if you can, even if it's a walk around the block. And as I, mm-hmm. you know, chemotherapy is cumulative, so as the as my treatment sessions went on, I, it got harder and harder for me to keep up a really good active level. But mm-hmm. one of my, you know, um, survival techniques was I wanted to have a sense of some semblance of, um, you know, uh, life before cancer, looking like mm-hmm. life with cancer. So, you know, if I was used to walking during lunchtime, try to walk. If it was not every day, maybe it turned out to be three times a week. Maybe it was once a week. Um, but I made sure to just get out, do something for myself. Um, and that's really important, I think. Um, and yeah. rest. Good nutrition, yeah. rest. Um, and I will say the day after, the, the morning after my last chemotherapy session, I woke up and I said, wow, what just happened? You, oh, you so, I remember thinking this was like, you know, you, you gear yourself up like going yeah. to war because you are going to war. And then it's sort of like post-traumatic stress disorder. You say to yourself, wow, what, what have I just been through? Um, but like thousands and millions of other people, um, you can get through it. If you surround yourself with the right people and the right resources, you can get through it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a journey. It's it's such a journey. And, I mean, you can almost, you can hear it in your voice what, you know, that you were so steeled, you know, at the beginning. You know, this is what I have to do. This is my plan. Right. And right. you can almost see as you talk about it, as you got into chemo, how things you have to continually adjust I mean, you still had your plan, you still do your things, but it was at times a little bit harder. Absolutely. And you there were days I wouldn't talk to you. There were days I wouldn't talk to my kids. I just, I couldn't do it. Yeah, no, no. It. And that's as a <laughs> as an onlooker, you have to be able to say, you know, for me who works with people with cancer and all kinds of illness, you just kind of say, okay, that's all good, you know. You know, it's all good. She'll get back to me in time and space or that right, person, you right, know. Right, it's, this right. is this is their journey, and I'm just here when they need me, you know. That's exactly right. And, you know, um, every, your friends will um, – I have one girlfriend who's – she and I were oncology nurses years and years ago. Um, she sent me a card every week, every week. Uh, 
Yeah, and that yeah. was her thing. Other people wrote on the she never wrote on the Caring Bridge website. Other people always wrote on the Caring Bridge website. Some people would just email me. But whatever it was, it was all absolutely appreciated and loved by me and kept me going. Yes, um, and uh, Ida, you still remain every single day. There's Ida in my prayers, my morning prayers, you. and you better cure Ida, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I have Listen, two we got to go. All right. Well, I hope this was helpful. Um, if you know there are any other follow-up questions to you, feel free to let me know. Um, I will. I'll send I will. you my list of resources, Harry, if you want to put them on your blog. Oh, I will. I will. And thank you so much, and God bless you. And I All know right. this has been a great show, and lots of people are going to download it. So we'll, we'll get right. questions. All, All right. right. Thank you Take so care. much, Ida. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. Well, that was Ida, and I really appreciate that she took the time. Uh, again, you can email me with any questions at heal, H-E-A-L, at healthcarewhisperer.com. Please. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you all, and happy Valentine's Day. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.